This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. Hear more from Free FM. For a small monthly fee, you can become a patron and support independent community media. Go to patreon.com slash freefm89 to find out how. Kia and welcome to Creatively Wired. This broadcast is on Free FM 89.0 and is also available wherever podcasts are found. Creatively Wired is a moment in time where we chat with artists about what makes them tick. We will explore the way they work, what they are thinking about, and the many varied nuances of the creative process. Make yourself comfortable and let's have a chat with some awesome people who are creatively wired. So, uh, yeah, we're very happy to have Paul Durra on the phone, who goes under the name Be Modern. Um, and maybe what we'll do is, if we can get you, Paul, just to... Shall I refer to you as Paul or Be Modern for this? Um, Paul, yeah, Paul, definitely Paul. Okay, cool. Yeah. So, um, I was hoping for a way out because I'm Paul as well, so I'll try not to get confused about, uh, about who, right. who I am and who you are. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, I'm sure I'll be fine. So I can, um, be, I can be Paul D, like in primary school. <laughs> um, I'm sure we'll work our way through. So, um, yeah, so obviously you're a, a painter, you're a designer, um, you've um, exhibited in New Zealand and as, as well as um, for a, quite a stint, I believe, in, in the States, in New York. Um, I believe you had a show scheduled to come up in Australia, which, um, like a lot of things in the world right now, has been turned upside down by COVID. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, so d- perhaps rather than me um, telling you what I know about you, perhaps you can tell us a little bit about who you are and, and what you do. Sure. So um, I'm originally from Matamata. And I um, did a, I studied in Hamilton for a year after that at the Media Arts Program and then um, transferred down to Massey Wellington. Um, so that was where I did most of my education, really. And then um, following that, I moved pretty much straight to Melbourne after um, graduating. And so, yeah, I... I started out doing, I studied graphic design. I'd always had a love for all visual art, but um, the kind of, you know, stresses you have as a, as a kid about how am I going to make money pushed me more in the, in the design realm. Um, but I, I'd always had a love for graphic design as well. I was a big fan of um, David Carson's Raygun magazine when I was a teenager. Mm. And um, yeah, always found that kind of experimental typography really really interesting, really exciting. And so, yeah, that, that pushed me into that direction. Um, and then in Melbourne, um, I ended up landing after about a year, 
I, I was freelancing here and there, and then I, I landed a gig as an art director for a company called First Media, which um, at the time they were doing a lot of the street press um, and kind of these catalogs disguised as magazines for the like general pen and David Jones and stuff like that. So um, that was an awesome job. I learned a lot on the job because I basically had no experience really, um, no professional experience. So yeah, everything from doing magazine layouts to conceptualizing and directing photo shoots, working with models, photographers, makeup artists, all that kind of thing. Um, and then also there was a kind of an ad agency component to the company too. So, um, yeah, like, like I said, we were doing things for general pants and it was, the, the entire ethos of the company was sort of aimed at youth fashion and music, really. So it was right up my alley at the time because, um, yeah, I was young <laughs> and interested in all that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, it was a, it was a great, um, place to cut my teeth. And like I said, I, I learned a whole lot, um, worked with some amazing people and that, you know, really, really, gave me a great education as well. And um, I'm still friends with lots of them too. And all many of whom have gone on to do incredible things um, in their own careers as well. From, you know, the editors I was working with to different creative directors, the salespeople. Um, and yeah, so I, I did that for four years and then it had always been my dream to live and work in New York City. So in 2007, I naively just kind of turned up with no visa, no real plan, I suppose. I had a I had a ticket on to London afterwards if that all failed. Um but yeah, I managed to land a job pretty quickly. I'd done a bit of groundwork before as far as emailing um, you know, various design studios and just random people. Um and yeah, I managed to get a job as a designer at a motion graphics company that was just starting up. Um, and then from there, I went on to freelance and eventually ended up starting my own company design studio over there called Manhattan born with a, a business partner. Um, and we ran that for four years. It was a storefront space. So we had it um, kind of as an art gallery as well. So every, every month to six weeks, we would clear out all the desks, and um, basically have like an art party really would have rotating exhibitions and yeah, have an, have an opening in the space and yeah, it was good times. And then, um, so yeah, I was in New York for 10 years, all up um, freelance for lots of amazing studios and worked with some great clients. And, um, but eventually I um, got to a point where I just wanted something a bit a bit deeper and more meaningful in my life as far as what I was creating. I was I was making great work, but um, getting older, kind of realized, you know, it's all for somebody else. It's all under the umbrella of a brand, and um, you know, you're no matter how good the work will be, you're always having that corporate critique of it has to be this way rather than it has to be the best way or the way that you perhaps creatively envision. Um, so yeah. So from I, about two years before I left New York, I, I just started painting 
and decided I wanted to be a painter, really. So that was part of the reason I decided to move home because I couldn't really stay there. Um, I couldn't gain a sponsorship by being a painter because you have to have a, a company sponsor you. Um, and it was just a perfect storm, really, because things just started to seem a little dark there with, you know, Trump getting in and um, just the city itself was less inspiring, just more expensive, more corporate, less gritty. Um, so, yeah, I, it just seemed like a great time to to move home and, and pursue the, the painting dream. And, yeah, really just kind of starting starting over again. So for the last three years, I've, I've been back in NZ. And, um, yeah, I kind of have, up until perhaps this year, really, I've sort of considered um, this like a great learning period as well of the painting side of things, almost like putting myself through my own personal art school um, and exhibiting here and there as well along the way. Um, but then now I sort of, yeah, I've, I've oh, also the last sort of three years since I've been home, I've still been um, freelance graphic design um, for the studios back in New York. But then kind of this year and then with COVID happening, it's sort of um, seemed like the right time to go full time into painting. So that's really been my situation this year. Um, and so now I've moved over to Tauranga to, or to Mount Monganui, and um, I have a great studio in the incubator, um, which is a great resource over here in Tauranga. Um, and yeah, it's great to have a studio to go to every day and just keep painting, keep doing it. So that's, yeah, that's me in a nutshell, really, career-wise. Awesome. Um, I've already got so many questions popping in my head um, and mm. and ideas. Um, I mean, one of the things that, that I find really interesting is that line that so many creative people ride between art and design. Um, it's something I relate to myself and I've seen lots of other people do. And as you say, there's that tension of, um, you know, wanting to make sure you can pay the bills. Um, but also... I mean, it seems like that's an interesting creative space, you know. But do do you feel that those, you know, that your that your art informs your design and vice versa? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it was quite interesting um, when I moved to New York, really falling into the motion graphics world um, and that kind of realm. And essentially, I was like a storyboard artist for. Um, you know, just TV graphics and video graphics and all that kind of stuff. So within that kind of job, you're always trying to uh, present in aesthetic form this idea of motion. Now, that's something I really realized within my painting, um, I'm always trying to achieve as well, that kind of dynamism and just the sense of motion. Um, so that's definitely something, you know, that is picked up from the design and is now into the kind of fine art. Um, but actually, the like, a, a, a lot of things have crossed over too. Like, I've always been really interested in bold and bright color and kind of clashing patterns. And yeah, really, that, that's why my work was always really pigeonholed with sort of youth-oriented stuff. Um, in the US, I always seem to be doing stuff for 
like more African American themed um, clients and stuff. Like uh, BET, which is Black Entertainment Television, was um, something a, a brand I was working on a lot. Um, I've done music video for Rihanna, um, so that sort of vibrancy I think just gelled really well with that that kind of aesthetic. Um, and then, so that's another thing I, I always bring into my painting as well, like big, bold color. Definitely. And, and very, as you say, very graphic, um, very punchy kind of images. Yeah, very graphic. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And do you find, so, I mean, stylistically, definitely um, you can see the design influence. Uh, would you say that it's affected your, your process as well? Like, do you, do you do things like write yourself a brief or anything like that? Um, I, yeah, I suppose in some ways, like often when I'm doing a proposal for a gallery space, I've, um, that, that will almost become like my brief and I'll set, a, a theme or a tone that I'm, I'm going to explore. Um, and then as far as, um, like the actual creative process, it, it 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 does go hand in hand with the design too because um, there's a there's a major digital component. Like everything starts out with a pencil, obviously, but um, the computer drawing on a computer is a is a major part of my design process. Mm. I mean, and which leads into the painting. Um, so yeah, absolutely, I'd say. I mean, I'm really interested actually in the painting and I'm, I'm constantly writing this in proposals um, about this idea of recreating a, a digital aesthetic in an analog way. Um, so, for instance, the last couple of years I've been playing around with airbrush techniques and that's really to kind of capture a kind of Photoshop painting aesthetic. Um recreating kind of drop shadows and stuff like that, but in this analog, uh, handmade way. Yeah. It's, it's funny because a lot of people are trying to do that in the other way around, right? Like they're using Procreate and other drawing programs and, you know, how can we get, uh, how can I make a brush that looks like I've, I've kind of, it's a bit splattery and done by hand. <laughs> right, right, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, totally. But I think, I mean, I've, a lot of the contemporary artists, like painters that I'm influenced by, that is also a theme that they're working with as well. And I, I think it's really interesting. Lots of them are, are a little younger than me. Um, I'm, when I'm, I'm 38 or 37. Um, so, you know, maybe they're just kind of turning 30 now. And it's, it's more that millennial growing with the, the internet and always having a screen. Um, and I, I just find that really interesting to see how that is influencing um, painting now. And it's, it's pretty radical. Mm, definitely. And, you know, mm. when, when I started out and, you know, I mean, I'm a little bit older than you, but I think for a lot of us, the, there was always this kind of stigma around the digital. I mean, there was, there was, there's always been people doing cool stuff with digital, but it was sort of, uh, I don't know, I was often around this idea that, the pa you know, painting is proper and then digital art is kind of a a bit of a, a knockoff kind of version or something absolutely yeah absolutely and so that's why it's great to see it 
finally um, being recognized, you know, at the forefront of um, the, the kind of fine art world. And just in the way that kind of photography had that stigma to it too, and it mm-hmm. took a, a long time for that to be accepted in galleries and museums, and, and then now you wouldn't think twice about it. Yeah, it's it's weird that even in the creative, you know, in the in the arts, we find ways to to severely limit ourselves and, and put these rules that don't necessarily yeah. make sense, you know. Yeah, absolutely. But I, I do wonder if that is if that kind of thought is being eliminated really with the new generation of just yeah. being totally open to any kind of technique. Because in my opinion, if you're making something visual from nothing it shouldn't really matter what the means to do so is absolutely I wonder yeah if that's partly because um the access to everything online is immediate and sometimes without context so you can see mm. a, a renaissance work with a, a postmodern work and, and a comic work on the same screen at the same time without really understanding the difference between them so you can draw from whatever you want more freely, perhaps, because those barriers have been removed? Right. Yeah, absolutely. I think as well, a lot of people now, you know, they're creating work for Instagram. Um, So, you know, previously it might have been that you would make something and then, oh, I I better document it and, you know, maybe share it on my website or on, you know, Facebook or whatever. But now it's sort of this idea that it's actually, for a lot of people their art practice is sharing stuff online. So, um, you know, making stuff digitally makes a lot of sense for them. Absolutely. And now more than ever with, you know, so many galleries around the world being closed down and, you know, art fairs, exhibitions, everything going virtual. It, um, yeah, it's absolutely the way. Even, um, it's funny you should say, I've noticed recently a lot of my paintings, I'm, I'm um, using a square format and I wouldn't help but think that that's just a direct influence from the Instagram format. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's suddenly all your work. It's just really, really sits nicely on that platform. It kind of makes sense, right? Yeah. 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 This, this feels like a nice segue into um, actually your most recent body of work that I was just reading about where you're exploring a lot of, um, you know, relationship to the, between us as humans and the internet realm and particularly around what happens with our, um, an inverted commas, private data, um, uh, around collection and exploitation of that, around all that stuff that, you know, that, that, that we're feeding daily um, through these little devices we carry around. And uh, you mm. mentioned Siri and Alexa. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, that, that was the collection of paintings that was due for the, the Melbourne exhibition um, this April, which has now been postponed indefinitely. I mean, we were talking about maybe February, but I, I think until there's a vaccine, you know, we can't really think about traveling anywhere, hmm. but um, yeah, I I guess I was just thinking. Oftentimes, when I kind of come to uh, a kind of conclusion like that or a brief like that, it, it really is just a starting off point, and it's a 
it's a way to um, think about different iconography and imagery and, and how those um, shapes are interacting. But um, the the whole deal with the the internet and privacy and all of that kind of stuff just seems so current and seems so topical. And that that's always something I'm looking looking for to paint about. It's that it's that kind of pop art mentality of like what's going on right now. Well, you know, everyone's hacking stuff and you know, everyone has an Alexa that's listening to you constantly and all that kind of stuff. Um so yeah, I suppose that that was just the influence of like it's it's something that I'm dealing with on a day-to-day basis and a lot of us are dealing with on a day-to-day basis. So I just thought that would be a great theme to explore. Mm. Yeah. So starting with a, with a question basically and, uh, and using art visual imagery as a way of exploring that question. Is that how you'd look at it? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Because at the end of the day, you know, my work is very abstract, especially right now. So, um, you know, each each viewer is going to have a different takeaway. Um, so, yeah, coming up with a theme like that really is just a starting point for that's that's it's almost a personal thing. You know, just for for me to get my ducks in the row and figure out, you know, what what this narrative is going to be, and yeah, um, yeah, just sort of what what road to go down in, in a collection of paintings. Mm. But I mean, some, sometimes it is more um, literal. Like last year, I had um, the exhibition at the Wallace Gallery, Marnsville, where it was about the idea of colonizing Mars. And again, that was kind of something that had been in the media a lot. And, you know, it's still going on. I saw that the UAE just launched their rocket yesterday to go to Mars. Right. Um, and... That exhibition was, you know, it it was a lot more literal in the content um, as far as sort of Martian landscapes and and rovers and things like that. Yeah. So and and again, yeah, starting starting with a question, I guess, and exploring that, and I can see how this recent series kind of leaves off from that, right? Like in that in that last series, um, well, that, the one in Morrisville, where there was kind of amazing imagery, like. Uh, kind of wild west wagon with Amazon branding on the side of it, sitting in a Martian landscape. <laughs> so there's right, there's right. a lot going on there, but it definitely, um, you know, to me feels like it's feeding into a similar conversation around. Um, well, I mean, this is my take. You can correct me, but um, the this kind of all encompassing kind of presence of of these mega corporations now and the way that, you know, they kind of are colonizing all of the spaces. Is, is that, a, is that a, a fair take? Yeah, no, absolutely. And even further to that is, um, like, to go to Mars is such a, a huge endeavor and um, just having the resources financially, you know, companies like Amazon and Apple and Google and Facebook will have so much more money than, than uh, governments will, mm. especially eventually. Um, like, yeah, I'm sure that a GDP of Amazon is a lot more than 
our entire GDP as a country. Yeah. So in a, in a practical sense, it's like, well, who could actually afford to do this? You know? So, and that's, I suppose, again, like the, the whole idea of the digital imagery being inspiring also goes back to um, how I'm actually creating the work again. And so I suppose this whole digital realm is, is really a large part of my work. Yeah, absolutely. Like whether it be conceptually or practically. And so, in talk coming back to your um, your process, and you've touched on this a little bit, starting with pencil and, and moving digital, and then and then moving to the painting. What is a, a day in the life of of you as an artist, like creating a, a work, or are you thinking more? of the whole collection and you're working on little bits of things um, in tandem or is it sort of a single piece and then moving on to another piece? Like what, what's your kind of creative process in making a work? Often I will, um, I'll try and get a good chunk of a collection of paintings kind of um, almost designed in a way. Um, and then before I'll even begin the painting process. But at the same time, I don't like to have it completely complete um, because once you start doing that painting, it, it can really inform what's going to happen next. Um, so, yeah, there's kind of a couple of ways I go about it because sometimes it's, it's almost like the design will be a blueprint or a bit of a roadmap for for the idea and then I'll, I'll execute that, you know, with paint. But then once you're in that world, then you're starting to explore a whole different um, sort of set of techniques and stuff because you're actually dealing with paint rather than just moving pixels around. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's very, it's a little tag teamy as far as um, the digital to the analog. So, for instance, right now, after after this call, I'm going to be doing a bit of work on the computer because um, lots of the I, I just feel like the the paintings I'll be working on at the moment they're it's it's a little all over the place, and I and I feel like I need to kind of um, conform them. So I'm I'm I want to get back into the sort of design phase to just look at commonalities between what I've been making and and just start to um, just give a little bit of uniformity because that's one thing I sort of find quite important within the work. Like I, I, I almost like it to be like how a fashion designer would approach a fashion collection. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I want them to feel like, um, each piece is different, but they're all from the same family. Mm. Yeah. So they, yeah. they build on each other on the previous collection do you feel like that 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 you're kind of leading towards some sort of point, or is it just, you know, I'm going to make a new collection and I've got a new kind of question that I'm exploring. This builds on the last one, and then who knows where I'll be in, you know, five, ten, twenty years time. Yeah, um, definitely. Who knows what it will be in five or twenty years time? <laughs> like, um, yeah, not, not looking at it at that much of a a big picture, but right now, um, and I suppose for, yeah, maybe all this 
this year or sort of since last um, the paintings I had um, in an art fair in October in, in New York um, is all about a lot, a lot of sort of thermodynamic ideas and ideas of um, transferring energy through portals. And I, I love this idea of um, like the work is really flat. So I always love to manipulate depth and space through these flat shapes, flat patterns and stuff like that. And I love um, when there's almost like a hole or an arch or something within the work that different elements uh, popping through or moving through and things like that. Um, and actually recently a person I met um, asked if she was like, these really remind me of Buckminster Fuller, who was like an American inventor who invented the, well, didn't invent, but um, largely popularized the geodesic dome. Mm. Um, and he had like a whole bunch of theories and stuff. So I've been researching him. Um, and yeah, he had, he had some crazy ideas on um, uh, kind of that exact thing, like things in, in motion and um, just trans transfer all of energy and things like that. So I've, I've been researching him and trying to um, figure out how, you know, it kind of relates to what I'm doing, I think. Mm, very cool. Yeah, it's great when people give you those gems, isn't it? Where they, they go, oh, it yeah, makes me think of this, absolutely. and then it leads you off on a, a line of research. Yeah, absolutely, I lo I love it, and those are those things you know you really have to um, have your eyes and ears open and, and just be, um, yeah, just totally totally open to, to that kind of stuff um, because you never know where the next sort of points of inspiration will take you. You know, so. Yeah, it's. I think it's good to have your sort of ethos and your, your your concepts and stuff, but at the same time, you know, be very aware of of what else is, you know, how how other people are interpreting this. Absolutely, there's there's always some there's some you know there's some gold in those ideas. And sometimes it's quite surprising, right? You put you put a work out, and as a maker, it might be very clear what it's about and what it means and and what you expect it might evoke. Um, but you can't control what other people are going to see. And, right. And you can, you can pretend that they're wrong or whatever, but actually their experience with that artwork is, is very real. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I, I agree 100%. So speaking of uh, influences and inspiration, uh, you know, obviously there is a strong modernist aesthetic through a lot of your work, and, and you go under the name Be Modern. Um, can you tell us a, a bit about that? Yeah, sure. Um, that came from um, back in Wellington when I was a student and I was doing a lot of um, collage, like, uh, yeah, co collages at the Wellington Library. I'd go to the library and um, photocopy pages from old Life magazines from the 1960s and old, you know, um, visual encyclopedias and stuff like that and create collages out of that. And yeah, that was something that must have been in, in an advertisement from Life magazine. And it said, be modern um, in that very kind of mid-century mid way. Um, and it just really resonated with me and I, and I loved it and just kind of took it as, as a, a moniker. Um, 
yeah, I, I loved it because it's this idea. It's it's a name, but it's telling you to to do something. Um, but it's not only is it um, kind of steeped in modernism or postmodernism, which I absolutely you know love and have been so influenced by. But it's um, it's not contemporary either. It could be futuristic, but it could be retro, and all those sort of um, elements. I, you know, I'm really influenced by it as well. Mm. So for you, is there a nostalgia or an irony in in modernism? Or um, I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I think it's, um, it's definitely not an irony. Um, it's, it's a nostalgia, I suppose. But I mean, it's not nostalgia because it sort of happened before I was born. Um, but to me, I just sort of think, you know, lots of the design ideas that were coming out of that mid-century period and painting um, were just kind of so, like, brilliant in, in my eyes. And I, the, think, the thinking just seemed to be so, um, like, radical and optimistic and, you know, um, just really filled with, with the idea that anything's possible. That, that real kind of space age era. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it's still yeah. very much with us, you know, that uh, we talk about postmodern, postmodernism and, um, you know, everything since, but we're, I think that, you know, a lot of those modernist um, foundations, they have endured, you know, they, there's still a place for those for sure. Mm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm. We're going to take a short break. To listen to a song selected by Paul, this is Le Fleurs by Minnie Ripperton. Will somebody wear me to the fair? Will a lady pin me in her hair? Will a child find me by a string?
when you're working on a, a collection and you've got this very, really kind of does, uh, the collections are connected, but each one stands alone as as a body. How do you know when that collection that that group of works is is complete to move on to the next thing is like have you kind of preset i'm going to do 12 paintings or does it is it part of that kind of design process that helps to bring that to light um yeah it's more of like a i mean often it's a, it's a practical thing because it's i mean especially recently it's been for an exhibition so um and you know, um, you're you're always pretty clear with your, whoever you're dealing with at, at the gallery or whatever exactly how many pieces you're going to be installing. Um, and even in the proposal stage, you know, you're saying exactly, I'm going to do eight pieces of this size and blah blah blah. So it's it's definitely more of that kind of practical stage. And I uh, I mean, practical sort of scenario that's influencing how like how many pieces I'm going to do. And, and then I, for me, I feel like once I've done that and it's been exhibited, then I, I always feel like that's a chapter that's closed and there may be certain elements that I want to take on to the next phase, but it's, I, I always feel like I want to wash my hands with it a little bit. Yeah. It's, it's they, they, they're all kind of their own story, I suppose. And yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not one of those artists that likes to, you know, paint the same circle for like 30 years. <laughs> All right. And in developing, say, the eight works in a collection, how many different sort of variations or tests or things is there? Do you kind of have a research and thought process that defines kind of what the paintings may be before you start or is there a little bit more of you get halfway through one and then it's like no that's that's not going the right way like what's that kind of process like um well there will always be a ton of you know I'll, I'll, I'll build kind of these compositions digitally um and so each one of them stands on its own as a piece of work um but whether or not they get chosen to be, um, you know, to turn into a painting. It's almost like a musician, you know, when they're creating an album and they'll write like a ton of work and then 12 cuts will make it onto the record, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's that same thing. So I have like a whole bunch of B-sides <laughs> tucked away in, in, in files into my studio and stuff like that that don't make the cut. Um, yeah. And then... Yeah. Does that answer your question? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And do they ever, yeah. do they ever get revisited? Yeah, yeah, it's funny you should say that because just yesterday I was looking through some older stuff and and as I say, I'm kind of in this period right now where I'm like a little scatterbrained and I was looking looking back at some of these older works that, you know, didn't make the cut and kind of like, oh, that's really cool. Why, you know, why didn't I like that? Maybe I should revive that. Um, so, yeah, I think I think it's it's quite good in that respect. Um, working like that, that in in this period right now, where I do have a couple of exhibitions coming up, but um, it's 
they're a little far off for me to be in like hardcore production phase. Um, so it's quite good to be able to go back and reassess and perhaps pull parts that I, I want to incorporate into these two new collections I'm working on. Mm. I wonder, if, uh, I mean, it's, it's a bit of a cliche, but sometimes things, um, it's not their time and then their time comes later, you know, that, and yeah, yeah, absolutely. Part and, of that is um, maybe, oh, sorry, you go. Well, I was just going to say, I'm very intuitive with the way I work. Um, so, you know, there isn't, there isn't like, um, you know, some certain rules as to why something doesn't make the cut or whatever. But um, it's interesting to, to look back and be like, oh, I like that. I wonder why I didn't like that initially, you know, and now, and now it's talking to me. Mm. Any theories? Um, <laughs> no, maybe, maybe it's like stress levels of like, oh shit, I have to get this done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe, maybe you're a different person now than when you made it oh, and you have other, uh, other kind of things in your, um, you know, in your, in your creative toolbox to bring that stuff to life. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and also, I think just in your personal life too, or whatever's going on just in, in life in general, that all, all of that stuff influences, you know, what the work is like and what, what you're actually liking and what you're not liking. Um, you know, maybe you're just in a bad mood that day or something. Yeah. <laughs> so as a full-time artist, what's your work day like? Are you doing more work in the morning or the evening or you spread like doing a nine to five or like how does that how does that structure work yeah more of a nine to five um vibe i'm I'm definitely more of a morning person um and yeah i feel like i'm most creative and have the most energy in the morning um and also just um from practical sense of of dealing with light I prefer to be working during the daytime rather than, you know, having lamps on or anything like that. Um, but yeah, I, I'm a pretty sort of, um, boring standard nine to five lifestyle really. Um, I think it's, again, it's like I've been either a freelance designer or had my own company or now a, like a full-time painter for such a long time now that it's um, just really that work ethic of going in, turning it on, finishing, turning it off, and then just being done. I'm, I'm not one to be like struck by inspiration and they have to work madly into the night. Um, yeah. I, I, I just consider it just, you know, just a job mm. really. And do you, do I mean a, a job that a job that I love, with you know, but it's still I, I definitely approach it that way. Like time to go to work. Yeah, and do you ever have the other problem where you're like, uh, I don't know what I'm doing. It's it's kind of there, but it's out of reach, and you know. And if you do have that problem, then what you know? Do you have any strategies for how to um, work through that? Yeah, absolutely, and. Like, this is one thing I've, I've definitely learned from um, being a freelancer. Because um, when I was first in New York and doing that, I really struggled with that. Like, this idea of, 
being hired for a gig for like three days or a week and having to turn up and just, you know, come up with a bunch of ideas. And like, at first I'd be like, oh shit, like I can't think of anything. Like, what am I going to do? I'm, you know, I, I'm just watching the clock like tick, tick. <laughs> but I like realized um, that the best thing to do is just to get anything out on paper, like anything at all. And it's almost like that unleashes the flood. So, yeah, like everybody, I'll definitely have moments where I'm like, I can't think of anything or these are like dumb ideas or whatever. But um, in those times, I'll just I'll just start like I'll just start painting. I'll just start doing it. Um, and then inevitably that always turns the outcome is always positive. Um, and yeah, that's that's the technique that I would I would recommend to anybody just. Like in the words of Nike, just do it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's it's annoying that they got that term first because it's such a good one. I know, <laughs> I know. I always say, I always say, they say just do it, and I say just do it now. Yeah, nice. Awesome. So, can you descri- describe your work environment for us? What what is your studio like? Is it divided into sections, or how how do you kind of structure that? Oh, hello. Did we lose you for a second? Uh, yeah, I'm I'm back here. Oh. Um, my studio is um, it's just a a room. <laughs> well, so over um, at the incubator in Tauranga, it's at the historic village, um, which is a really interesting location. It looks like it is um, a set from an old western or something. It's this collection of colonial, like turn of the century buildings. Um, all placed together to kind of form a main street. Um, and anyway, they have the satellite studios there. Um, and that is in like an old sort of 1930s bungalow, I'd say. Pretty classic Kiwi kind of shape. Um, but it's been beautifully restored. Um, and they all have, yeah, plywood walls um, and probably amazing like quality floors or something polished and yeah so this it's basically this house has been turned into one two three four five about five or six studios um and so yeah so my room is probably maybe five meters by four meters let's say um yeah and it's got a tall ceiling so i can i can um work pretty large and yeah, right now one wall is just covered in paintings and then one wall is where I sort of make work. And a couple of desks, airbrush, computer, um, yeah, and then just a, a bunch of art supplies, all that good stuff. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So, and it's great too, um, in that location, you know, you have um, like next to me on one side, I have a, another painter, Nick, and he does watercolors and oils. And then on the other side, I have... Um, a woman, Carrie, who is a fashion designer. And then in the building, there's um, uh, two or three other painters and uh, someone doing jewelry and someone doing, like, pottery kind of stuff. So it's, it's, it's a great environment to be in because, you know, it's, it's a hot to bustle. Everyone's busy. You can, you know, just start chatting to people about whatever industry stuff, like how to, you know, a gallery to hit up or, you know, just whatever. So it, it's really good to have that collaborative environment because previous to that, I, you know, I was 
in um, in Matamata in the in the farm where I grew up, um, working out of um, this amazing barn there. But it was it was entirely in a vacuum, and so I just didn't really have anyone to bounce ideas off of. So I'm I'm enjoying being in, the, in this current situation. Mm, sounds amazing. And I think yeah, know, for a lot of artists, there's just something about knowing that there's other people nearby working as well. That this kind of creates this this feeling of movement. And I don't know. I think for a lot of people, that's that definitely helps with motivation and inspiration. Yeah, absolutely. It's kind of like an accountability. Like, oh, I you know, I better go to the studio because I don't want to look like a lazy <laughs> like <laughs> lazy person. <laughs> like, you know. That, my my neighbor's there every day, you know, I'm digging on it. So, but yeah, it's good like that, too. That's awesome. Um, so, here's a kind of big question for you. Um, it, a large part of what we do is, is discussing kind of the role that the arts play in society and, and what the arts do for community. So, in your mind, what role does the artist have in society? Um, well, I think, um, first and foremost, you know, I'm a believer in the artists really holding up the mirror to society and, you know, just kind of being an outward diary almost of, of what those times were like. Um, and yeah, that's obviously, you know, a direct pop art kind of influence, um, very Warholian point of view, but, um, you know, that was, he was my hero when I was uh, from, you know, a young age. So that's where that's come from. Um, I guess that's in a, in a really large scale. Then um, in a more grassroots level, I think it's just important to have that kind of diverse point of view, really. Um, like, everything's not black and white in this world. And so I think, you know, it's almost an artist's job to um, really shed the light on, you know, other, other ways of doing things, other, other approaches. Mm, very cool. Yeah. Yeah. And do you, uh, just, just on that, um, you know, a designer making, say, imagery about... Um, about online privacy might have a particular angle where they, they've been commissioned to lead people to think a certain thing, whereas an artist would m more usually be from the angle of, I have a bunch of questions, I want to share those with you and maybe it will provoke some of your own questions. That's a very, mm -hmm. um, that's a very rough summation of two large creative mm -hmm. um, worlds, but do you, where do you find yourself in that, uh, between those worlds? in terms of those, you know, the, the role of, of the artist or the role of designer? Um, what, what was the last part of the question, sorry? Oh, just, just where, if, if you feel that you're in one camp or the other or, or both in terms of your role as a, as a communicator, I guess. Oh, right. Um, hmm. Yeah. I think at this point... More of an artist, I'd say, and um, yeah, I think of, well, perhaps it was always been like this, but I feel um, I'm a little getting 
further away from the kind of design thinking because the design thinking is very um, kind of critiqued, I suppose. And, you know, you really have to assess all angles and make sure there's a functionality to it. There doesn't have to be any functionality to painting. Um, it's, you know, it's almost entirely expressive. So, yeah, I think <laughs> it's almost like a cop-out to be able to be like, well, this, you know, this doesn't have to work. It's I, but um, yeah. Yeah, That's my I, opinion. I'm sticking to it. No, no, I know <laughs> what you're saying. It's 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 um it's less direct on purpose, right? It's a yeah. It's a broader world in some ways. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it doesn't have to exist in logic. Hmm. Um, and also, there's the there's the whole commerce side. You know, um, design is not normally always linked with money, but uh with art, the money comes after the fact, I'd say. Yeah. If, if, at, if at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was enjoying your confidence there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Awesome. Um, well, we're, we're coming up to the end of, of the time here. Um, I wondered, is there any kind of final thought or anything that you really wanted to, um, to share with us about your thoughts on art or your own process or anything to, to finish this up? Um, not really. I mean, I just think, um, for, again, it's just like the, the, the kind of just do it mentality, you know, if, um, for instance, you know, coming back to New Zealand and, and starting again, um, as an artist and not really having any connections and doing it, you know, in, in a small town and, you know, not in Auckland or not in Wellington. Um, it's, you know, it's great to have the opportunity just to be able to just, just go and do it and just get that ball rolling. And just, I suppose just the massive amount of kind of catharsis that comes with that. Um, so yeah, that's why things like, Creative Waikato, Creative Bay Plenty, you know, they're so important because it's like giving people that platform just to, you know, get out there and do it. Mm. Fantastic. That feels like a, a great note to end on. Some positive words as well as uh, some some kind words about Creative Waikato. So thanks. <laughs> thanks for that. And, and thanks so much for your time. It was, for me, a super interesting conversation about lots of ideas. Um, I really encourage people to check out Paul's work. Um, you can go to bemodern.co.nz to see um, a whole lot of his art and design. Um, and have you got any future shows coming up you want to plug for us? Yes. Um, October, I'll be showing at Space Gallery in Whanganui. Um, and January next year, I'll have another show at... Um, uh, what you call <laughs> Lawless Gallery, Marinsville. Mm -hmm. And I just sent four pieces over to Boyd Dunlop in Napier. So if you're in any of those regions, come check me out. And in, um, my Instagram is at bmodern1. So that's, that's the best place for any up-to-date um, work, works in progress, etc. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Paul. Yeah. yeah, thank you guys. Really, really great talking to you. Awesome. Have a great day. Oh, great.
Thank you for joining us. This show has been broadcast on Free FM 89.0 and is brought to you by Creative Waikato. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to this Free FM podcast. If you want to hear more content like this, you can support Free FM via Patreon. Head to patreon.com/freefm89 to find out more.